This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Today's episode is called How to Find Your Voice to Become a Fearless Speaker. I'm Tom Ruich, and as always, I will start this episode with a story. Back in ancient Greece, Socrates was trying to help his student Alcibiades overcome stage fright. Alcibiades was scheduled to deliver a speech to the people of Athens, and he was frightened. So Socrates led Alcibiades on a walk around town. The great psychiatrist Carl Jung told the story of Socrates and Alcibiades in a lecture he delivered in 1934. Here's Young's account. So Socrates and Alcibiades came upon a blacksmith and Socrates asked, are you afraid of this man? And Alcibiades said, no. Then they came upon a shoemaker. Are you afraid of this man? Socrates asked. No, Alcibiades said. And so on they went. More people on the street, more are you afraid questions from Socrates, more no, I'm not afraid from Alcibiades. Finally, Socrates dropped the hammer. Then why should you be afraid of the people of Athens? They consist of those people. They are nothing but faces. Young interprets this to mean it doesn't matter what other people think. He said the patient must walk upon those artificial faces of people, understanding they are not real. I see something different in that story. I think it's a story about the power of connection. Socrates asks Alcibiades about one person at a time to remind the student, these are your people. You are connected to them. You're not afraid of these individuals. So why be afraid when they gather as a crowd? I think it's better not to think of these individuals as artificial faces, as Jung calls them, I think it's better to lean into the connections you have with the people in the audience. The more connected you feel to the individual, the more real they are, the more connected you'll feel to the group, and the less frightened you'll feel. I thought about this Socrates Alcibiades story recently when I read something written by my guest today, Dr. Doreen Downing. In her seven-step guide to fearless public speaking, Doreen writes, you probably already have a sense of what it is like to connect one-on-one with another. This same capacity is the trick to speaking without fear in front of a group. It becomes a series of conversations you are having 
with one person at a time. And that's wise advice. Doreen Downing is a psychologist and confidence, confidence coach who specializes in the treatment of public speaking anxiety. She also hosts the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast. I was a guest on that podcast a couple of months ago. Doreen once suffered from ex extreme stage fright. In conquering it, she discovered being connected to your authentic self is the key to relaxed and confident speaking. I'm going to repeat that. Being connected to your authentic self is the key to relaxed and confident speaking. In addition to coaching and online courses, she is the author of Essential Speaking, The Seven-Step Guide to Finding Your Real Voice, a book that teaches you how to transform your anxiety with presence and connection. Doreen Downing, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Oh, Tom, I'm so excited about being here with you and speaking about, yes, my topic, but also anything that can come up about stories, because, wow, what a story, well, what a story speaker you are. Well, it's, uh, you know, the conversation we had when I was on your podcast was uh, a great one. And I learned a lot just, uh, just dabbling in your process a tiny bit. And there's so much that people can get out of your guide and out of the things that, that I reference. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But, but first, let's talk about Socrates and Alcibiades and, and some of the lessons you might draw. One of the things that that story is about, of course, is he's going to go and talk in front of all of the people of Athens, a massive public gathering. And while the lessons that you bring to the world certainly apply, and Alcibiades could have benefited from getting your ebook if, if it existed back then, um, we're also talking about just conversation one on one. Can you go into a little bit about why what you bring to the world, why these lessons are so important, and that it's really not just about giving that big speech to that big crowd wherever? that may be. Yes, I would say that anybody who thinks about public speaking, if we could transform that thought out of being on a stage to any conversation, because you and I, in a way, I'm public, you know, you are my public, even though you're one person. Right. And so uh, that's the biggest transformation. I'd like people to begin to change the thought of public speaking from a stage to any time that you happen to be uh, voicing <laughs> your opinion, yeah, yeah. your thought, anytime you are in a conversation, that is public speaking. <laughs> yeah. And, and as you say that, it reminds me that this is applicable, not just for business. This is applicable for the public speaking that you're doing when you're uh, having a conversation with a spouse, a partner, a child, whatever the case may be, we get caught up in anxiety in all sorts of ways when we're speaking, even when it's one-on-one -on -one with somebody we, we know and love. Can you talk a little bit about the kind of anxiety that, that you witness even in those one-to-one -one conversations? 
Yeah, I think that anxiety lives within people based on, because I'm a psychologist, some kind of history of their sense of themselves, you know, that they come to know themselves as somebody who can't speak up in a situation or they feel less than or they feel like somebody's going to laugh at them. There are all sorts of, well, I'm going to say this, stories Okay. <laughs> that people tell themselves. And I think that looking at what is the story you tell about yourself if you have anxiety. And sometime today in our conversation, I really want to go into that idea that the story you tell is what creates anxiety. Well, let's go into that idea right now. Give me an example of someone you've worked with, you don't, of course, name names in this case, but an example of somebody you've worked with who was telling themselves a story that created that anxiety. And how did you help that person rewrite the story? Well, the story sometimes is based on life and it's a, an experience. I have one person, I could list so many, but one that comes to my mind right now is a young man who uh, came to me because he felt like he was boring and that he didn't really have much to say. And those were, I mean, he wasn't saying, you know, I'm dumb or anything. He just said, I'm boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that in the inquiry stage of working with me, we go back. And we start doing a little bit of digging into the past. And what he came up with was being the younger brother of an older sister who was very verbal, very extroverted. He happened to be introverted. And at parties, at uh, dinner tables, she was the one who took all the space. So he got this story that he was not that verbal, that exciting, you know, when he compared himself to her, of course, that might have been true, but it it held him back. It prevented him from finding his own voice early on. And just that whole sense of, well, we develop our voice early on. And if we don't have a playground to do that, you know, he didn't have that much room because she took up all the space. So in a way that there was some truth to the fact that he did not have that inner muscle developed because she took it up the space. But uh, so then changing this, looking, first you have to look at the story that you tell about yourself, I'm boring, and where that came from. And he saw the connection, he connected the dots. Oh, then you start transforming it. You start looking back on either those moments when, He was more of who he was, like a sensitive, uh, intuitive person and starts developing those inner what strengths and acknowledging those so that he says, ah, yeah, I can ah, pause and find my voice. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's, I think, what you mean when you talk about finding your authentic self. Can you talk a little more about finding your authentic self and how important that is to overcoming the anxiety and the fear? Yes. You you probably know that most speaking trainings say, just be yourself, or you read articles, look up Google and say how to get overcome your fear of speaking, just be yourself. Mm -hmm. Ah, I tell (laughs) you, the... 
I know that that sounds good, <laughs> but nobody wants to be their their jittery self because they can't. That's that's who's present when they have to speak. So what I do is have a process that helps people find themselves. And that's what psychology is about anyway, is finding the, the you that's inside and developing from there as opposed to putting on better performance techniques. Mm -hmm. So authentic to me is about, well, who are you naturally and who can you uh, affirm yourself to be? I remember some of my early trainings of feedback I got is that I'm warm and that's one of my strengths. And so that anytime I'm in front of a group, I know that my heart is there, my warmth is there, my that's where my power, that's partly where my power is. And it's not so much about me being a performer, it's about me being real. Right. Amen. And uh, there, there is so much overlap between what you're talking about and what I try to bring to my audience regarding content creation and storytelling, because the anxiety or the story that they tell themselves, not everyone, but so many people who have anxiety around this is I'm not a creative person. I'm not a storyteller. And just as you look backwards and find what's the origin of this story? Why are they telling that story? So too, you can do that with the anxiety around creation, not just, not just delivering a speech or having a conversation, but the act of creating you people get stuck on one of the previous podcast episodes. I had Dixie Glaspie on the show and she told a great story about how her younger brother, um, used to love to break things as a child, as a toddler. And we were talking about it in the context of everyone is creative. And I you could say the same thing in your context. Everybody has an authentic self and has a voice and has something to say. What happened with little brother, Dixie's little brother, is that one of the things he loved to do was he took a, there's one story she told where he took this China bowl, I think it was a candy bowl or a sugar bowl, and, and it had a, a lovely decorative pattern, and he broke it, and he turned it into pieces. And for him, that was a creative act. He didn't know any better. And he brought it to his mother, and of course, his mother, instead of reacting and saying, what a beautiful creation, reacted by having a fit. And the, the point of that story is that we, as young people, are all creative. We're experimenting. We're playing. We're breaking things. We're putting them back together. We're, we're, we're not muzzled. And at some point, something happens that tells us, oh, no, 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 You're, that's not good. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't, in this case, go down this creative path. And, and of course, a parent doesn't want a kid to go around breaking things, but there's a way to, to do it. And I think your point that we all have some history that is the root to why we might have lost our voice or in, in what the case, what I was talking about, why we may have lost that connection to the creative well within us is a really important idea and something that 
that everyone can benefit from by exploring. So thank you for bringing that to us in, in the context that you have. I love that phrase, the creative well inside, because in a sense, that image, that kind of visual that you just did right there is that that's where the voice is, is the, the voice that might have been cut off, hidden because you're too afraid in some ways not developed is still in there. And I call it, I call that creative well inside the essence. And that's why my book, Essential Speaking, speaking from the essence of who you are. So you have to find the essence of you, who you are. And that's an inner journey. And I, I do have the story, just what you just said reminded me of how people find the, that inner story that has them stuck and uh, where, we, where we need to start is, well, so what's the fear now? Like, shake it out. What is it? And a woman came to me who said, I'm afraid the audience is going to pounce on me. That's what it feels like, pounce. Mm -hmm. So I take that word pounce, 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 you know, where in the, her early history did she have somebody or something that pounced on her? So that's a clue. I love it. It's like detective work. Yeah. So, so guess what? We did find it. She grew up in a ghetto area and every day she had to walk to school by a vicious dog who was chained up. One day he was not chained mm. up. And, um, you know, she was injured. She was attacked. She was pounced on by this vicious dog. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like much of a dot, but it, it's deep that that memory is deep, even unconscious sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think that there's an important lesson here that the, the fear of being pounced upon in this person's case is not directly connected to any story of public speaking and, and, you know, this wasn't a, a school teacher who figuratively pounced on her when she stumbled through a class presentation. But still, to your point, that 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 experience of being pounced upon can be something that you internalize and then apply to whatever it is you may be afraid of. And and I think that the I think that you're spot on. So um we talked a moment ago about, in your introduction, I talked about your guide, seven, seven tips. So repeat the name of the guide first, and then if you could share one or two more of the items from the guide. I, I, just, I just tapped into one very small detail uh, from the guide, but tell us the name of the guide and tell us some of the other ideas that are in there that would be important to our listeners and our viewers. Yes. Uh, in fact, people can get it, Doreen7steps.com, Doreen7steps.com. But it's a seven-step guide to fearless speaking. And I lay out my whole program. Uh, the first is to connect the dots like we just talked about. And I know in your introduction, you mentioned presence and connection. And those are two of the steps. But first, I'll just, the most important one, which is number one, is... I'm going to take a deep breath. Stillness. Yeah. Finding within the entrance to the still point inside is where the grounded sense of being is. And so much of speaking comes from the head, <laughs> you know, above the neck. And what 
the story about the woman who is afraid of being pounced on has to do with is that the fear lies in the body, in that back brain. And there's some research by some neuropsychologists who have studied that the front part of the brain is wired differently than the back part of the brain, totally. Mm -hmm. So people can't tell themselves, I shouldn't be afraid. It's no I mean, even like your story in the beginning is like, uh, you don't need to be afraid of people. You don't need to be afraid of people. But the back part remembers and it's holding on. So that's why the seven secrets or the seven steps has to do with working with the deeper part of the brain and Mm -hmm. stillness. You, You know, it's not about what you tell yourself. It's what can you do to your body as soon as the activation of the nervous system begins is you notice it that's what mindfulness is all about you notice it and then you do whatever techniques and i have lots of them i don't train one but it's got to be some people love meditation some people love walking in the woods some people love visualizations but whatever we can find that will train the person to instantly go to the still point inside whether it's always with a breath of some kind of breathing technique mm-hmm. so that's number one is breath or is stillness yeah and and you said something very important and i want i want to make sure you talked about activating i think you said activating the nervous system noticing that the nervous system has been activated and it's a really critical idea because what you're saying here is that the the sense of fear the the animal brain reaction butterflies heart rate things like that that's coming even if you've done the work right it's it you know and and i think that i get kind of tired of of the cliches that suggest oh just set aside the fear bury the fear, you know, don't be afraid. Well, you know, it's, it's not about ignoring or setting it aside. It's about, as you described, recognizing when those feelings are activating, and then having a strategy to deal with that. And the strategy starts by finding, well, the breathing and so forth. But you're so much better positioned to deal with the fear when you've found your story, when you've identified the source of it, when you've found your authentic self, as as you've described. But it's not a case of ignoring fear or conquering fear or whatever the the various metaphors are it your nervous system will get activated before you go on stage or before you have a difficult conversation and that's natural and that's okay it's just how you respond that is what you're talking about and finding the voice and going towards the strength inside the being the essence of who you are knowing you have a the word you just use strategy that there's you can trust you can trust your body to have fear and move through it not ignore it and not say oh darn there it's there it is again and you know be upset by the fact that the fear is there but to know that you can move quickly through fear 
to a right. calm inner strength. That's that's what I uh, teach. And the sec I wanted to say, because this has to do with the story you told in the beginning, the second step is presence. And when I think about the uh, person who was running around the city saying, are you afraid of this one? Are you afraid of that one? Are you afraid of this one? What, what it seems like another aspect of that story has to do with getting present in the here and now. Anxiety comes because you're anticipating something in the future that isn't happening yet. <laughs> right. right. So increasing the ability and in psychology, we call it spotlighting, finding something in your immediate environment and focusing on that, focusing on that, focusing on that. And it immediately brings you back to the present. So, and I have lots of techniques about coming into the presence. I present. love that. The, the part about the future, that, uh, that's something my mother-in-law calls borrowing worry. We all borrow worry a little too much. We, like we put that. ourselves in the future and we make assumptions about how things are going to turn out mm -hmm. and they rarely turn out how we assume they will. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's beautiful advice. And, you know, I, back to the, the, what I would call embracing the fear in order to overcome it. Uh, I read a book by a former Navy SEAL, a guy named Brandon Webb. And Brandon Webb talks about the fact that, you know, when I, when I get into the cockpit to um, go up in a fighter jet off of an aircraft carrier, darn right, I'm, I'm frightened. But what I'm able to do is draw on a lot of the kind of work that you described, he frames it a little bit differently, but generally says the same thing. And among other things, I'm able to remind myself, breathe deeply and remind myself that I have gone through the checklist. I have done everything I possibly can to make the odds as great as possible that I'm going to have a successful trip. I'm going to land safely. I am prepared. I am not um, putting myself in outrageous danger. And, but he said, if, if I pretended that I wasn't afraid, that's when I would actually be in danger. That's, uh, a, that's, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, I think that message you just said is the denying what's real, uh, which right. is what's happening in your body. And, the whole idea of being able to m move through it consciously and help your body to uh, become more empowered in the moment. That's right. And I, I was thinking about what you just said with the, the idea of fear. It occurs to me that fear is like a coin. You know, on one side, you can have one. It, it's energy. On the other side, it's power, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and, um, and and another story related uh, to this, Eddie Murphy, I've told this story, the comedian Eddie Murphy, I heard him interviewed on Jerry Seinfeld's uh, show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And Eddie Murphy said, I always had stage fright. Every time I was preparing to get on stage, I felt that thing. And he said, with a couple of exceptions, and the 
couple of times in my life that I really remembered not feeling that, those are the times that I bombed. Interesting. <laughs> the times that he felt it, he had practiced and built whatever reserves of whatever he needed. The breathing exercise, who knows? He didn't explain how he did it, but he harnessed that fear and drew energy from it in a positive way, as opposed to letting it cripple him, letting it paralyze him, letting it keep him from, uh, from going out there. So that's, it's a, it's a tricky idea that we're talking about, but the, I think the key takeaway for me, as we talk about this is that you have to invest time and energy in building strategies, developing habits, learning techniques to deal with this, to figure it out, or else you're, you know, uh, you're going to succumb to it. That, I think, is the biggest takeaway from uh, what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I There's somebody who wrote something that I'd like to just refer to because it's a quick way to remember what we're talking about. And it's Billy Atwell, and he does a podcast on shakable confidence. Mm. And he's written about yeah, the process as face, embrace. That was one of the words you just used a second ago. So it reminded me. So again, face, embrace, replace. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> face, embrace, replace. That's, that's perfect. And, and the rhyming makes it memorable. That's a, that's a good technique in public speaking, in uh, creating stories, writing content face, embrace, replace. And uh, there's a, there's a lot of power in that, Doreen. We mentioned your guide. I mentioned in the bio, the book. Can you tell us again about the book and where people can find it? Amazon right now, I'm updating it. I'm actually changed the whole idea from steps to secrets. And the reason why I changed it to secrets is because what I've really come to understand and know is that nobody's teaching what I'm teaching around being present, being connected, being engaged in a more authentic way. They're teaching lots of performance techniques, get out there and vocal variety and, you know, (laughs) really make a a splash. And I actually work with a lot of introverts who aren't really interested in making a, a <laughs> right. splash. They're interested in tapping into who they truly are and being able to share in the way that's most natural to them. So the book, yeah, it will be, it, it will come out later in the spring. But right now, if people want to get my book, it's on Amazon. Essential Speaking, The Seven-Step Guide to Finding Your Real Voice. Excellent. And everything we're talking about, the guide, the book, and and more, we'll include that in the show notes. So you can uh, hit those links and, and find this stuff. What else uh, should people go looking for? Where can they find you? Social media, your website, and so oh, forth. Oh, yeah. Uh, Doreen Downing, just Google. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of presence out there. My YouTube channel is full of all sorts of frequently asked questions. I've got a, I interviewed 20 people who uh, talked about anxiety. So I have a whole showcase on YouTube also. 
I have a 45 minute, what you call an evergreen webinar <laughs> that teaches people. Yeah. And this Friday, I, I obviously, it's not going to come out. Your show's not going to come out, but I do Eventbrite uh, webinars, uh, our webinars for $47 to give people an introduction to this material. And, and if they go to your website, they would find announcements about that, I would imagine. Ooh, or, yes, I've got to talk to my web person. Ah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> essentialspeaking.com, essentialspeaking.com. And I have one strategy that I think comes from the third step is, uh, well, it's with the eyes. Have your eyes be available is what I um, what I work with, but it's. The, the tip is, and even right now, anybody who's listening, and you can too, Tom, soften your eyes. Mm. Okay. Yeah, just soften the muscles around your eyes, and you'll notice that your cheeks relax, and then pretty soon your neck and your shoulders, and it just starts with your eyes. The eyes are so close to the brain, it helps the brain clear up instantly, so that... Yeah, that's that strategy is a, a, you know, one of those instant, let's get there quickly. That's a very, very cool tip. Thank you for that. Any other parting thoughts before we uh, call it a day? Oh, let's see. Um, I believe that each one of us has a voice that is waiting to be expressed and to be heard. And I think that surrounding yourself with people who know how to listen, because that's part of, of finding your voice, is finding listeners who go, yes, yes, back to you is much easier than no, or do it differently, or <laughs> not good enough, next, mistake. If you, if you have people who are focusing on the good stuff, and that's another step is essence appreciation, finding people who can find, know the essence of who you are and acknowledge that, and also for your own self-talk, because that's kind of speaking to yourself, uh, find your strengths and give yourself essence appreciation for the essence of who you are. Like I said, I'm warm. I'm powerful because I'm so warm. Thank you. So here's what I have to say to that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love that advice. Um, and and uh, I just, I love the work that you're doing. I think it's so important. As I said, this is not just about preparing for some big public speech. This is going to apply to all the conversations that you have it's going to apply to content creation and storytelling that's i've uh, i've i said it when we first met there's so much overlap in what you and i do and so many people who have struggles that they can overcome with the kind of things that you're teaching so i value your work i appreciate you spending time with us today and i hope that uh, Everyone who has watched or listened to this podcast will go check out your stuff and download the guide, reach out to you and find their authentic voice. So Doreen, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and we'll see you down the road. 
Yes. Thank you. for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business-building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>